Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our studio, Ruth Riley. Ruth has served as Director of Library Services at the University of South Carolina School of Medicine here in Columbia, South Carolina since the year 2000. She has worked in three other academic health sciences libraries, including the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences Library, the Alfred Taubman Medical Library at the University of Michigan, and the J. Otto Lotz. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Lotz? Lotties. Lotties, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, J. Otto Lotties Health Sciences Library at the University of Missouri. Since 2012, Ruth has also served as the Assistant Dean for Executive Affairs at the University of South Carolina School of Medicine. She is presently serving as the past president of the Association of Academic Health Sciences Libraries and has served as chair of the Southern Chapter of the Medical Library Association and chair of PASCAL, which is the partnership among South Carolina academic libraries. Wow, that's a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Glad to have you. So um, talking, I I wanted to talk this month to a few special librarians, and you popped into uh, my mind uh, since I've known you for quite some time. But what drew you to the field of medical librarianship? And by the way, I will also mention that October is National Medical Librarians Month, and we'll have a link on our podcast page. But what drew you to the field? Well, I think because I... Uh, worked in a hospital when I was in high school mm-hmm. that um, predisposed me maybe a little bit to it. Um, and when I was an undergraduate, um, I, th- I thought I, when I, I might become a medical technologist, but then I didn't like chemistry very much, so I decided that wasn't a good idea. So I went into um, actually st- to study sociology. Mm. But when I was at the University of Kansas, they had a course in medical sociology, which really um, became interesting to me. And um, when I graduated, I thought, with my bachelor's, I thought, okay, maybe I'm interested in maybe getting a master's of public health mm-hmm. um, or going to library school. So mm-hmm. it was sort of the, the two paths. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd been working in the University of Kansas library system and in the art library, actually. Oh, wow. But, yeah. But um, Complete I, opposite I know. <laughs> I know. But I thought, um, I'm, I want to go to library school because mm-hmm. I'm one of those sort of geeky people who always knew that I could be, I wanted to be a librarian. I could be yes. a librarian. It was I'm, always I a backup. I know that feeling, yes. Yeah, that's a, one of those weird people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I thought, I'm going to go to library school. So I went to University of Illinois, mm-hmm. and um, they had a course in medical reference um, and medical, so the, the course is about the reference books and the reference mm-hmm. tools for um, medicine, but also the reference services that happen. And I had these excellent instructors in that course, mm-hmm. and um, I really enjoyed that course. And I was looking through the job ads um, when I got close to the end of my program. Mm-hmm. In those days, they had notebooks, actually, with right. printed pieces yes, of paper that you would, you would use look a pen at. And pencil. You right, know. and you would look through. <laughs> anyway, I'm flipping through the notebook, and I see this job, Information Services Librarian mm-hmm. at the University of Missouri Health Sciences Library, the mm-hmm. J. Otto Lottie's Health Sciences Library, and mm-hmm. I read the job ad, and it was one of those times where it just clicked for me, and mm-hmm. I said, this is the job for me, because I'd been looking at general academic libraries like mm-hmm. University of Oregon, Reference, and sure. Temple University, General Reference, but when I saw that job ad, I thought, oh, this is really, this. I really would like to get this job. So I got the interview and um, was successful in getting the job, and... Um, I, I've really, I've, all my career has been in medical libraries, and t- 
to me, it's the best type of, of librarianship, not to be elitist, but I do think there's something about it that's so unique and um, um, exciting because I think because of the patient care element, I guess, and the, the, okay, the impact, yeah, the impact that you can make on the quality of people's um, health, mm-hmm, you know, is mm-hmm. really the unique thing about about medical libraries. And not only directly, but also to healthcare professionals. Yes, because you serve everyone. That's right, and and I think when you talk about medical libraries, you have hospital libraries, mm-hmm. and then you have sort of academic medical libraries. Mm-hmm. And um, the hospital libraries are really heroes in my mind. They're, mm-hmm. They are the ones who are in the closest contact to make, they have the best chance to make a direct impact, I think, on patient care right at the front lines. Mm-hmm. And those of us who are in academic medical libraries are a little, little bit removed from that because we're trying to train the healthcare professionals, of right. course, who will then take care of patients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so the hospital librarians, unfortunately, their jobs are always under threat because of the economics of hospitals. Right. That's what I was going to ask. Is, do, does every hospital have a library or is it, you know, just hit or miss? It's, uh, unfortunately, it's the numbers are decreasing uh-huh. because of the financial constraints, I think, in healthcare mm. and um, so we see more and more hospital libraries um, closing, mm-hmm. and um, that's very unfortunate. I it think, is. It really know. is. But um, then it opens up an opportunity for you all in the academic field. I mean, does it not? It does. Sometimes those hospitals will contract with a local okay. academic medical library to provide those services, mm-hmm. and it depends. But we, we always try, if we're approached, we always try and encourage places mm-hmm. to keep their librarians um, sure. because they're so so critical. Um, Lexington oh, yeah. Medical Library, for example, like for example, closed their hospital library really? several years ago. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, they don't have any anyone or any type of hospital, any type of library service happening over there. Do you think it has anything to do with the availability of um, information on the internet, like the uh, NLM website, or and that's the National Library of Medicine, or any other kinds of, you know, WebMD type sites? Oh, I think so. I think so. It's it's something that all libraries fight against, the notion that right. everything's on the web mm-hmm. and everything is um, freely available. Um, so there are um, some products available for um, medical information, like UpToDate, for example, that a hospital could buy a contract with UpToDate, which is sort of a point-of-care okay. decision, not decision-making, but it's a it's a synthesis of medical literature on different topics, and mm. it's, it's very popular with residents, mm-hmm. and so you'll find sometimes hospitals think that they can just subscribe to UpToDate and have that one information resource for right. their clinicians, and that will suffice, yeah. which is better than nothing, of course. Sure. Um, but um, the, there's so many services that medical librarians can provide mm-hmm. um, in, in hospital settings and in medical school settings mm-hmm. to really um, improve health care. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In general, I mean, for really for everyone. But um, what kinds of special collections does the USC Medical School Library have to offer? For special collections, um, 
Well, we have a beautiful history of medicine room, the mm-hmm. Charles S. Bryan History of Medicine Room, mm-hmm. and I would invite um, any of your listeners to come and visit our library. We are open to the public. And that's what I think a lot of people don't realize. You know, you think it's a medical school library. First of all, it's a medical school, so why would the general public come? But, mm-hmm. you know, to visit the library, that's great. Right. I think a lot of people don't know about our library. It's kind of hidden within the Dorn VA Medical Center campus mm-hmm. on Garners Ferry Road. We're mm-hmm. right across the street from Krispy Kreme. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> So that's an incentive. <laughs> I know that because I'm a big fan. But anyway, I was it was my dream come true to I have Krispy Kreme. I think Kreme. I've seen that on your Facebook page uh, once yes. in a while. <laughs> yes. Um, but we are open to the public. And um, um, in, if you come, um, you, anyone who's a health care professional in the state of South Carolina is mm-hmm. welcome to check out materials from our oh, library, okay. actually. Right. The public, um, you're not allowed to check things out, but we do have a workstation mm-hmm. for the public where you can come and actually access any of our electronic resources. Okay. So we have very strong collection of electronic books and e- electronic journals and databases Mm -hmm. in the health sciences. And we do have staff who are happy to help um, the Mm -hmm. public if they come in Mm -hmm. looking for health information. Mm -hmm. Um, But going back to our special collections, Mm -hmm. excuse me, the Charles S. Bryan History of Medicine Room is on our second floor. And this collection has, um, let's see, we have over 900 um, rare medical books and pamphlets. And it's interesting because all of these books were donated by families in the state of South Carolina. We di- we haven't purchased any of them at all. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> it's a beautiful room uh, with... Um, beautiful cabinetry and um, furnishings and we have some medical equipment in there so um, we do keep it locked just Mm -hmm. because it's such a beautiful space and we have students who are (laughs) can be hard on (laughs) furniture but um, but if um, anybody did want to come in and and yes yeah yes it's a beautiful space and uh, we have one book in particular that's in a case called um, Iconis Anatomicae by Vesalius that um, it was actually published in 1934 in Germany Mm. but it's very valuable because the wood blocks that were used to print the pages were from the 1500s you're kidding and those wood blocks were destroyed um, during the war when oh the Allied gosh. forces bombed Germany. Wow. So that makes it very valuable. And it was given to us by um, a physician in North Carolina who was a classmate of one of the founders of our medical school. They were classmates at Duke. Okay. And so he donated this book in honor of Dr. Donald Saunders. And um, it's uh, we try and turn the pages. It's a beautiful, large um Bound volume, oh, so neat. I would invite you're welcome to come over and see it. Sometime. I would love to come. Yes. Maybe, yes. maybe the staff here at the state library need to have another tour because I think it's been about 15 years since we've been I think over so, there. and we should bring ours back over here. Yeah, to have a tour great. here. That'd be great. So back to the um, the Brian um, room. Who was Charles Brian? Well, Charles Brian is still very much um, uh, living, and he is um, <laughs> our he is my hero because he uh, he was a former chair of internal medicine. Medicine, uh, oh. at the School of Medicine. So okay. he's a distinguished professor emeritus of our school. Okay. And he um, is an Osler scholar um, in the history of medicine. And so this room is named in his honor because he established an endowment for our oh, library, wow. the one and only endowment for How our wonderful. School of Medicine library. And he is a wonderful advocate for our library. And in fact, he's in London this week being inducted into the Royal College of Physicians. So wow. uh, he's just a, a wonderful person. And he has an office in our library and is always writing books. And um, 
just a wonderful patron and supporter of our library. That's great. Yes. Libraries always love to have uh, those special supporters. Yes, and we have a wonderful <laughs> portrait of him in the in the library. So if you come to visit the History of Medicine Room, okay. you'll see his portrait. Very cool. Um, and you've also got a Center for Disability Resources. What's that all about? We do. We have a special collection um, that is really um, to serve families and professionals in South Carolina who have children with developmental disabilities. Mm -hmm. So things like autism or Asperger's syndrome. And it's a special collection that's set up so that if you're a parent and you have a family member who has a condition like that, we will send you a book or a DVD in a postage paid return mailer. So Mm. you're welcome to use it and then just put it back in the mail to us at no charge. Wow. And the same is true for professionals in the state. Okay. Uh, But we actually serve the entire country now. We initially just served South Carolina, Uh but we've now broadened it to um, the entire country. Um, and That's it's, amazing. It's a, it's a unique resource, and we, we really try and get out and promote it. Um, one of our librarians, Steve Wilson, coordinates mm-hmm. this library, and he's actually in Myrtle Beach today exhibiting at the South Carolina chapter of the American Association of um, Developmental Disabilities Conference oh, wow. and promoting it to professionals in the state of South Carolina who serve people with developmental disabilities. That's amazing. Are there other states who have any kind of similar resource libraries or is this really the only one in the country? We are the largest one in the country. Okay. And um, the University of South Carolina um, has a history of um, strength in this area. Um, going back to when President Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, um, established some of um, these centers around the country mm. for serving people with developmental disabilities. So this is an outgrowth, really, of our Department of Pediatrics. Okay. It's a collaboration with them and with the South Carolina Department of Disabilities and Special Needs. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Fascinating. Yes. Any other special collections that you have? That's really, th- those are, um, those are the really our main. main ones. One thing that is unique about our library also, if you come and visit, is we have an information commons area okay. on the first floor, which has these large screen TVs, ah. which are running CNN and ESPN with um, muted subtitles going across them. And, okay. um, is that popular? It is. We, it, we created this several years ago um, when we decided we had too many books, too many printed books. <laughs> they were taking up, you know, because they Precious go... Precious space. Well, they go out of date, you know, and um, print is kind of... We still have print things, and we still are buying print books, but sure. um, most of our collection, like many libraries, is shifted to electronic format, so we decided to take out some of our book stacks and create a nice... Um, seating area Mm -hmm. and kind of a place for our students when they're between classes Mm -hmm. they can come and just take a little break they they typically come to the library to print the PowerPoints for their lectures Uh but they can sit at they have um, sit at these we have a sofa and um, laptop ready tables and the New England Journal of Medicine and and, um, the TVs so they can sit down and relax a little bit and you know I think a lot of people don't realize how important weeding a library's collection is because all libraries no matter what type of library has to weed their collection because they want their patrons to have you know current relevant um, you know books magazines all different kinds of things but I would imagine that weeding or up-to-date information is even of more importance in the medical library field Absolutely. The knowledge base in medicine turns over very rapidly. Mm-hmm. So by the time that a medical student goes through four years of school, mm-hmm. the knowledge base is changed. 
yeah. significantly. Because, so. I mean, advances in research and techniques and technology. Mm-hmm. That's why medical librarians were, were a little bit of zealots about the importance of lifelong learning mm-hmm. and instilling that in mm-hmm. students uh, because, uh, and also in the need to practice um, based on the evidence. So mm-hmm. it's evidence-based mm-hmm. medicine is a very hot topic. And now that it evidence me- evidence-based medicine and evidence-based clinical decision-making is very strong and mm-hmm. very much advocated for in the profession, medical librarians are perfectly situated to mm. step up and ta- and teach people how to use the tools that are available for mm-hmm. evidence-based practice. Yeah. So we're, uh, that's another reason that's so exciting to be a medical librarian because mm-hmm. you know, we feel like we really can make a difference you mm-hmm. know, to work with clinicians, all types of you know, sure. nurses, pharmacists, physician assistants. Mm-hmm. Um, the medical school has a new PA program that we just started oh, okay. in the last two years, and our library is very integrated into their curriculum already and working with them. So That's great. Yeah. And, you know, I bet you all as, as medical librarians have to um, really be good diagnosticians too because when you're doing that reference interview trying to figure out what your patrons really need, you're, you're doing diagnostics, you know? <laughs> we do, we do, but we're also very careful to put our disclaimer on it. You exactly. Know, <laughs> that, you know, we really encourage people to go to their, yep. their healthcare provider with mm-hmm. this information. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, we're all about, um, patient education mm-hmm. and, and consumer mm-hmm. health information. Information mm-hmm. is power, as mm-hmm. you know. And in medicine, just based on our own experience with being patients ourselves, right. you know the difference it makes to go in and see your clinician mm-hmm. with information that you might have read mm-hmm. on the internet. Yep. And just to put a one shout out to the National Library of Medicine, mm-hmm. you know, the National Library of Medicine is in Bethesda, Maryland, mm-hmm. and that it's it's paid for by our tax dollars. And if you've ever driven by, you will remember it because it's, it's a it's a pretty intense campus. It's a very striking building, mm-hmm. and one of their. Um, best information resources for consumers is their website medlineplus.gov mm. medlineplus.gov and it's really designed for consumers patients the general public and they provide links to uh, authoritative information resources there mm-hmm. is no advertising on it whatsoever okay. which is very refreshing when you're looking for health information exactly. on the web because you don't want to be tricked into something else you know right there's so many dot coms out there mm-hmm. pushing medical resource medical products so anyway right. we were very big on sharing the existence of that resource with um, consumers who are mm-hmm. looking for information and I use it I could tell my family about it I mm-hmm. mean it's just a wonderful resource from the National Library of Medicine definitely and we'll be sure to include a link um, to that on our, our podcast that would page. be great um, so another kind of question that I wanted to ask you is what's typically involved in a regular day of a medical librarian well medical librarians um, it, it depends on you know, of course what how big your library is and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And in our library, we primarily serve the School of Medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, the Thomas Cooper Library serves the other health sciences colleges, and okay. that's mainly because we were right. young medical school. We didn't start till the 70s, so okay. those other schools were already established on main campus. So mm-hmm. um, what we have done um, is created a library liaison service. Uh-oh. So we have assigned our, we have eight librarians total, and we assign each librarian to a department in the medical school. Mm-hmm. So we have three basic sciences departments, Mm -hmm. and then we have 
about 10 clinical departments. So each department has a librarian um, assigned to that who's a liaison. Okay. And they will go out and go to perhaps a faculty meeting mm-hmm. or a journal club or even do grand rounds sometimes really? and do presentations for the faculty and the residents in those departments mm-hmm. about um, whatever, it, whatever. Sometimes they will request topics or sometimes it's a general update sure. um, to give them, to raise awareness. Um, so a lot of medical libraries have done this um, to the degree that they actually have embedded librarians where mm. they have actually placed a librarian physically in and that department really? so the pediatrics wow. department would have a office space for a librarian or or certain days perhaps that the librarian might be available in the okay. department so uh-huh. that if the faculty or the residents or the medical students who were doing their rotation that yeah. particular time could ask questions we haven't gone quite that far uh-huh. but um, that's a really big trend right now in okay. medical libraries to have embedded librarians in hmm. departments um, and um, our librarians are also very involved in creating um, information subject guides, like web-based portals. Okay. Um, so for the pediatrics department, for example, there mm-hmm. would be a web, one web page that you could go to, and there would be little tabs for all of the e-books related to pediatrics or all of the e-journals related, related to pediatrics okay. or pediatrics websites that would be of relevance to the department. And we have, I think, about 60 of those subject guides that we've Mm -hmm. created over time. Um, We also do a lot of instruction in the medical school curriculum, not just in the MD, but in the graduate programs as well. And we have created um, web-based tutorials for some of that instruction. We find that some students prefer to do a web-based tutorial than to have a librarian come and do a talking head Mm -hmm. type of presentation. Mm -hmm. And we try and make them interactive. So um, there's a lot of, um, I think, engagement Mm -hmm. um, with Mm -hmm. our faculty and our students and and they also will do straight reference. We don't really have a reference desk per se anymore. It, we're, oh, the really? librarians are available on demand or on okay. call. They have a schedule where they're on call. But right. I think these days we don't have as – the people who come into the library physically are mostly the students. Right. The faculty sit at their desk and click on PDF journal articles. You sure. Know, they don't really ever <laughs> – we think we're doing our job, actually, if they don't come in. If they can get to the right. resources they need. So that's why we have to go out to them. I got Because you. they don't really come in anymore. Yeah. So. Um, one of the things that I've, I've always thought about is um, – is how, you know, how our libraries have changed over the years. And I know that you have um, uh, been at USC since 2000, so that's 18 years. So how, how have you seen the library change over those last 18 years? Not only the library itself physically, but, um, you know, how you, you interact with, with patrons and maybe how the patron base has changed? Or Well, I think like many libraries, like many libraries, um, what we do is driven by the mission of the larger institution that we serve. Mm-hmm. So how what we do is driven by what the medical school's priorities are. Mm-hmm. And the medical school ha- is really evolving. I think um, you know we started out as a very small medical school. Our, our mission, the legislature really authorized the creation of our school to produce primary care physicians for the state of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And we do fulfill that part of our mission very well. 
Um, over time, though, I think we have begun to evolve into a larger school with um, a, a research enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and most academic health sciences centers, you know, have sort of three missions, education, mm-hmm. research, and clinical service. Mm-hmm. And I think our we started out with our education mission being really our main focus, but sure. over time, our research programs and our sci- our faculty and our scientists are becoming more and more engaged in clinical and basic sciences research. Okay. And our clinical enterprise, our patient care programs have also been growing significantly. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. you know, we recently sort of merged our outpatient practices with Palmetto Health. So Mm -hmm. we now have the Palmetto Health USC Medical Group, Mm -hmm. which is the largest multi-specialty group Mm -hmm. in the Midlands. And the dean of our medical school is also the CEO of that medical group. Right. So the library, I think, um, you know, we're we're starting to really think about how we can um, support the research part of the school better. Um, There is a brand new... um, a research center for transforming health that was just established in the school and um, they have just started a faculty development program and have named some fellows for that and so we uh, Ros McConaughey um, our assistant director for education and outreach just did a nice uh, session for those faculty fellows on how the library can support them in okay. doing research Wow yeah so the research part I think is um, that's a changing part for the school, so it's a changing area of emphasis um, yeah. for the library. That's amazing. That's just, I mean, so much going on. It is, and, and the clinical side is, it's always a challenge to support the clinical side. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But the good thing is that Palmetto Health, Ho- Richland Hospital still has their hospital library. Okay. So we partner with them quite a bit on okay. the, supporting the, the, um, the clinical side of things. Yeah, very cool. So what other kinds of special projects will you be working on in the couple next couple of months or, or coming months? Okay. Uh, one thing that we're excited about is an exhibit that we're trying to bring in. This was actually at Richland Library, Maine in June, I think, of oh. this summer. It's called The Beauty and the Brokenness uh, of Living with Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. Wow. And... There are there are some local veterans who have um, their photography that they mm. put on display at the Richland Library, and um, they this is being coordinated through the trauma recovery program at the Dorn VA Hospital. Oh, so okay. we've gotten in touch with the the professional who's coordinating that program at the mm-hmm. Dorn VA, and um, are talking with her about how we could hang those photographs in our library, and. Um, we're going to create a um, subject guide on PTSD, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. an information resource we can share with it's people. it's definitely a hot topic. I mean, it especially really in the last five or ten years, you just see a lot about it. It is. And I believe November is when we have Veterans Day. Mm-hmm. So we're sh- targeting that for November to okay. get that up. So I'll let you know when we have that. Yeah, uh, maybe definitely. you could come and do your tour when we have that up, yeah, too, that would actually. Be great. That would be yeah. good timing. Um, the other big thing happening at the medical school is we're going through a period of curriculum innovation mm. for the MD curriculum, the, the medical oh, student okay. curriculum, uh-huh. and um, that's a big part of the school's strategic plan. And we um, we're excited because there's a component to that curriculum related to um, evidence-based medicine. Mm-hmm. So we're um, it's going to be in all four years of the curriculum, which is very exciting for us because. 
we're fairly integrated into the first two years of the curriculum, but not as much in the third and fourth year. So um, okay. Ros McConaughey, again, is mm-hmm. very involved in um, spearheading that, but um, it's going to have quite a lot of impact. I think it's not going to be implemented until 2020, but there's a okay. lot of planning, of course, and I think a lot of challenge for our teaching faculty to change the way that they are teaching, perhaps, to mm-hmm. more student-centered learning. Okay. So anyway, active learning approaches. Yeah. So we'll be doing what we can to support our teaching faculty in mm-hmm. that in that initiative. That's wonderful. You guys have, are doing some great stuff. And I think, you know, more opportunities like this where, where we can talk about it is important to let people know that they have access to all of these resources. Right, and all those would-be librarians out there. That's right. <laughs> Medical librarianship is wonderful, and I encourage you to uh, to think about it as a career option. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. Until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.